Oh, hey, yeah, I was gonna call you. We're experiencing some delays over here. Uh, one of us stopped taking his antidepressants and thought he could heal himself with probiotic food and diet and exercise, and something has gone horribly wrong. A sewer line broke, shit went everywhere, and while we're at it, we're just gonna have to repair some of the foundation. But um, not to worry, we have an episode for you over here. If you could just step onto that telepad, uh, we'll get you over there. But for now, this is a dangerous area. I'm going to have to have you go somewhere a little safer. All right, just stand right there. Okay, three, two, one. Hello, humans. Ah, I fell into a classic trap that I've fallen into before, which is part of my mental illness means me feeling good and going off my medication thinking I don't need them anymore and then feeling not so good. And thank you for your patience while I remind myself maybe not to do that. Anyway, you know, we're coming up on a year since we started this podcast and what a year it's been. Thank you for being a part of it. I mean, my whole life has changed. I started in one place, this kind of very domestic and stable place (laughs) and you know life happened and I'm now in a big season of growth and transformation and that's not always comfortable there's some growing pains I have to reevaluate and readjust and just do my best to build a life for myself that I'm going to be proud of for anyone out there also going through some stuff I just wanted to rant about something real quick You know, there's so much emphasis on momentum in our culture and that growth should just happen and it's one direction. I'm growing. How are you doing? I'm doing better, better and better and better. And I think there's something misleading to that narrative because growth is not linear. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back or no steps forward and 10 steps back. But if I've learned anything going through the shitstorms, I've made it through in my life. It's just to keep going and you keep showing up and you do the best you can. You're on a journey and part of the journey means detours and screw ups and failures and real life mess. I'm honored to get to showcase that here on this platform. And if you like what we're doing, as always, you can help support us. We're audience-funded, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash hellohuman. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hellohuman. And a small fraction of the listeners, I think less than 1%, keep this program afloat so far and make it so we're not beholden to advertisements and products. It just seems cleaner this way. So... If you can, pitch in a buck a month or five or whatever is comfortable. And if you can't, this is always going to remain free. It's it's not about money. So that's it. Oh, and if you want to stay connected, Instagram's a great way. HelloHumans.co. I'm Sam Lamont. Uh, Facebook, we have one of those too. Anyway, okay, we're just going to get on to the episode. Here we go. Now, I think the best place to start this journey is to take you back to a sunglass shop that my friend owns. And now I'm the kind of guy who wants to get something practical. You know, when I go shopping, I don't go shopping much, but I want to get something that I could wear every day. But there's this one pair of glasses that's always caught my attention ever since he made them. They're these 
gold-rimmed aviators with yellow-tinted lenses. They're like something Hunter S. Thompson would wear. Total rock star shades. And they're nothing I would normally buy. But I put them on and looked in the mirror and turned to my friend, the designer, and said, these are wild, which was like code word for, wow, these are so much cooler than me. And he looked at me and he said, those are the ones. And I looked back in the mirror and I thought, yeah, these are my glasses. And almost as if these glasses had a personality of their own, it was on. I walked around, drove around in my new Rockstar glasses feeling so fucking cool. It was literally a symbol of all the things I've ever said, no, I can't pull that off too. I even bought a jacket to go along with the glasses, and if I'm going to confess, I'm wearing them right now indoors. But, you know, they're light tints. It's maybe okay. But less than a weekend, I drove up to a regular coffee shop that I go to, and the barista said, those are interesting glasses. Just like that, which was is code for, you can't pull those off. And I thought about it. Every bone in my body at that moment wanted to take them off my face. I was kind of embarrassed. And then I looked back up and I said, thanks. I love them, which is code word for, I don't remember asking for your opinion. And there's not actually anything you can do to get these glasses off my face. And if there is one hope and dream for this program, it's to get better at being unapologetically Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary, mystical creatures... May I introduce you to my hero on such topics, the legendary Duncan Trussell, the Purple Pope, host and overlord of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and now friend, Duncan Trussell. Someone I have looked up to for years, consumed dozens of hours of his content, and someone who I just really am fond of. So without further ado, I'm just going to drop you right into when I hit record somewhere mid-conversation. Thing that you no longer need that you're still hauling around it's just your 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 attachments materializing around you you know like your sense of like the junk in your heart suddenly appears as a selfie printer i'm a collector of things oh you are yeah it's gotten better though it's gotten a lot better when um <clears throat> when i was a drug addict i had a closet a whole closet full of mechanisms wow. and they were like um, it's such meth addict behavior. There, there would be like you know those sofa beds that have like click, click, and then it goes back down. Like you can yeah, like ratchet up the back of the sofa yeah, bed. Yeah, sure. I would like cut open the sofa bed and take that thing out. Why? I don't know. I just wanted these mechanisms. Wow. In case I needed to build something. Oh, okay. I had the mechanism for the job. This is meth. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's that's so good. How interesting you mentioned that. You mean like smokable meth? Yeah, smokable meth. So, yeah, because I was reading our neighbors in a different house were one day like white smokes in the middle of summer started pouring out of their chimney. And it was really, it smelled really bad. They didn't smell like normal. They were burning anything normal. And the fire department ended up coming to our house so they could look up there and figure out what it was. And then, but then I, they gave, left us this pamphlet about how to look for like meth cooking in your neighborhood and one of the signs is their yard gets filled with like half finished pro projects like i started so many projects yeah so part of the disease is you want to you kind of like start building shit that you never finish building very interesting yeah the illusion is that you're so productive right and but you start a million things but you never finish yeah any of them right you're good at starting stuff. you're good at starting all right <clears throat> oh shit phone 
Hi. Hi. Hi, Duncan. Hello. <laughs> thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for letting me be on your show. <clears throat> yeah, I told you this is really bizarre because out of all the people I've had on the podcast, I've consumed more of your stuff wow. than anyone. So it's like, it's kind of like one of those moments like, should you meet your heroes? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very yeah. much for listening to, to the podcast. Yeah, no, I started with the uh, the Lavender Hour. Wow. Way back in the day. Yep. And then it was so beautifully underproduced and just authentic. And then when it ended, um, I don't know if I if I feel okay spoiling the end of the Lavender Hour or not. Oh, sure. <sighs> no one spoiled it for me. Anyway, the the way that you captured and dealt with and processed your heartbreak on that show significantly impacted the way I handled it. And that's how this company started. Wow. Was cool. I was devastated and heartbroken and I wrote this crazy detailed seven part piece called the end of the world part one yeah and people gravitated towards it and then that's eventually it became a podcast wow yeah the end of the world part one being the heartbreak yeah cool yeah now uh <clears throat> you know i was heartbroken more recently than that but uh did the same thing kind of showed up for it and talked about it and uh it's amazing i wouldn't be podcasting without the lavender hour that's beautiful. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I love well, I don't think yeah. it's weird. I love hearing that stuff. That's great. I love it. I love the contagion that is being spread through podcasts when it's good. One of the things that I've been my mind has been circling around lately is um social media as a tuning fork and um potentially the most powerful tuning fork that has ever existed, at least for our species, when it comes to the zeitgeist and how sort of like the evolution of this type of tuning fork going from radio to TV and then from TV to cable and then from cable making the leap to uh, podcasts and blogs and suddenly the individual having the capacity to set up a TV network and to broadcast whatever they want and to get it to the entire planet instantaneously and how this is a brand new technology and we're just running around with it like little kids carrying tiki torches through a dry field, you know, not even thinking about what it means to be able to instantaneously reach the entire planet and what that means in terms of not just like people like you and I throwing out a podcast, but what does that mean if polemicists and people who are incredibly skilled at spreading divisive ideas begin to utilize the technology? And then people who don't have the immune system set up to realize that the opinion of some of these polemicists doesn't reflect reality at all, but is a distortion that is intentionally created to garner more attention so they can make money then you realize, oh my God, these are like, these microphones we're speaking into are more than just microphones. These are potentially magnifying glasses that have started all kinds of. It's an incredibly weird time. Yeah. Your life. Well, so I think it's, for me, it's double edged because what started this whole thing, Hello Humans was like, our tagline is if you believe what you see, then you believe we're as pretty as our profile pictures and that our lives are these cool jet setting art show going 
lives that we present, but like the real, the full, that's like half of it. The real picture yeah. is so much more captivating and magnetic. Yeah. And so on one side, you have everybody holding up these cardboard cutouts because it, it's just, it's more fun and gratifying to be like, look, we made it to the waterfall. This is always my, my go-to analogy. It's always the waterfall, but you see the happy couple at the waterfall. Yeah. And it's like, look, we're so cool. We made it to this exotic waterfall. Yeah. Look at us. And everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. Look at this happy couple at the waterfall. Well, the reality is, is that they took a eight hour flight and then they had to drive for two hours and hike for four hours. And they got super annoyed with each other somewhere on that trip and like weren't even speaking and then made it to the waterfall and came together and then took that photo. Yeah. So it's like the whole picture is way cooler way cooler and like that's the part that i feel is missing and you start to see more of it now where people like really i think like there's a wave of people that are really committed to trying to document more of the whole picture but it is tough i think on a lot of people because instantly you want to compare my mom always said this you're comparing your insides to other people's outsides right. And like to your insides, you like wake up and look in the mirror and you don't feel that hot, you know, yeah. and other people look really good. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also a total tool for magic. Right. Like right now, magic is happening in my life. Real magic. I posted on Instagram story. Hey, I'm going to L.A. I need a place to stay. Uh, internet friend, <laughs> like literally an internet friend yeah. contacted another friend and she put me up. Yeah, that's cool. That's magic. Yeah, that's great. And um well, that's amplification, right? Yeah. So it's it, it is magic. I mean, it's a it really is. It's a <clears throat> it's a it's an amplification device that is allowing people to articulate reality. And then that articulation is being spread, divided, replicated. It's being replicated and spread through all the different people downloading it. And then that is a kind of seedling, right? Every that data packet is a little seed within which is contained some person's personal subjective view on things. And then people digest that and they grow it into their own lives. So it is magic. Uh, and it's very powerful magic. And it's magic that I, I wonder sometimes like how ready we are for that. I've, and I, I can't remember who said it, but this concept of like, oh, our compassion needs to keep up with our technology because if our compassion and our technology don't keep up, then that's where like the great disaster emerges from, which is that you end up with this incredible mechanism. And then suddenly the people who are amplifying this stuff aren't people like you who are like, hey, there's a whole cycle here. It's not just the waterfall. There's people who are, they don't give a fuck about that, the waterfall or the trip to the waterfall. They just want to commodify. They want to make money. Yeah. And, and that and so that's where it gets really tricky. You know, in uh shamanism, and I think in Tibetan Buddhism, though I could be wrong about that, but definitely in shamanism, this distinction emerges between two broad classes of magician. And so you have the shaman and then you have the sorcerer. Ooh. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 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 the shaman is more interested in is a healer. The shaman heals or gives people the tools they need to heal themselves. And the sorcerer is into power. 
I was having this conversation with Jack Cornfield, who knew Carlos Castaneda. He was on the program. He's the best. Best. The best. He's amazing. Yeah. He's the best. It's. It, it, he's a shaman. He's a shaman. He is. And he's really, when you get around, you when you get into his reality field, you feel healed and soothed by just his presence and his ability to take whatever it is that is so terrifying in your own life or whatever, the darkness. He can really, he's a skilled technician when it comes to transforming that into something beautiful. But he was telling me, Carlos Castaneda, he was, I, I was bitching to Cornfield because I'm like, fuck Castaneda. He, the, those books about, the, his books about shamanism or that particular style of magic involved torturing animals, sewing their, uh, like the lizard's eyes shut in one of, one of the chapters. It was a method to, you know, get some magical power. And I remember getting to that part of the book and thinking, well, that's it for me. I don't care what this guy has to say. If he's okay with sewing a lizard's eyes shut, I'm not interested in anything that he has to say. I don't want to hear it. Even if it's okay, I don't want to hear it. Maybe that's a little short-sighted of me. No pun intended. But he, to me, so Cornfield said, oh, Duncan, they're not into compassion. They think compassion is a lower state. The next, there's all these phases up the ladder and that's power. So this waterfall analogy you're using, I think is fantastic because there's another piece of it that we could add that makes it really sinister, which is that in the old days, when you headed out to the waterfall with your dear love, you were going to go to the waterfall. That was the reason. You might want to go there for because it's romantic. You might want to go there for exercise. You might want to go there just to commune with nature. Maybe you wanted to go there for the story. But you were really going out there just because that's what we do. We travel out. Now, when you go to the waterfall, you are thinking, oh, I'm going to commodify this motherfucker. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to put it up on Instagram. And we have this brand new currency that's emerged. Pick or it didn't happen, Duncan. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Pick or it didn't happen. Yeah. That's cashing in. So you have this. The currency now is follows, likes, and faves, and retweets. This is a new currency. It's a currency that can get transformed into money if you get enough of them. So it you can direct now what you can do is you can take a waterfall moment, convert it into faves and likes. If you put a nice caption there, maybe something inspirational, maybe something dire. These waterfalls won't be around much longer. This waterfall used to be much bigger. This waterfall, you know what I mean? Whatever. Put a nice caption under there. And then now what you've done is you've transformed this moment into a certain number of likes and faves. If you get enough of those, now you've become what's known as an influencer. And when you're an influencer, then people start sending you shit because they want you to put that up on your feed. So now what we're looking at is this brand new methodology of converting moments that in the past were just memory things or even just not even memory things, but living into a way to turn into money. And, and so all these people are running around with their phones completely unaware of the fact that they've become something akin to Bitcoin miners, only they're not mining Bitcoin, they're mining likes and faves and tweets and retweets. And boy, does it feel good. Yeah. You know, I, I was just listening to, I wish I could credit, I was listening to a conversation with an influencer 
right? Obviously, he had a good YouTube channel. And he was saying that, like, the world has never been exposed to this kind of dopamine rush. Where, you know, like for me as an ex-addict, like I got dopamine the old fashioned way. Yeah. We put stuff into my body. Yeah. It changed my mental chemistry. Yeah. And it, I had a totally different output and different experience. But now it's like you think about any time you need a little boost. You take a photo and then every time you want, five minutes later, you can look at your phone. Oh, someone liked yeah. it. Oh, four people liked it. Wow. You know, and it's just like, you know, I... I I'm on the extreme end where I literally feel like I could get addicted to anything that makes me feel good. Mm. I have this insatiable bottomless pit for it to the fact where it's like, I've just purposely avoided things. Cause I know I would love it. I avoided heroin cause I knew I would yeah. love it. And I already had a speed addiction and it was like, come on, man. <laughs> like, do you need any, do you need that? And when I go to a, uh, um, penny slot, and I put in 20 bucks and, and do it however many times, 20 times. Uh, when I go home that night and I close my eyes, it's just, I just hear ding, 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 all the reward center stigmas that they've put in there to like be like, you're doing good, you're yeah. winning. Because yeah. you'll lose on a roll. If you if you bet a dollar and you hit it, it'll make you win 60 cents. And it'll go ding, 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 ding. But you're actually down 40 cents. Right. That's so smart. And we're all on that with the phone. Yeah. And it's. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it feels so good. So, yeah. right. Well, I, I love the, um, what's really interesting to me is when you read about the stuff that people used to do, like in the 1800s, that they really didn't have any idea just how horrible it was for you. Like, this is another thing that inevitably, like, we look back, I think it's called, um, what was the name of that stuff they used to paint on watches? It was radioactive. It would glow. Was it polonium? It's not, it's a, there was some sort of radioactive material that people thought it was actually good for you. And they would, it, it, it would glow in, and there were like factories where people would paint it onto things because it would glow. And, you know, their teeth started falling out and they were going blind and getting all these tumors because they didn't realize this is fucking radiation. They're getting like irradiated by the job that they're doing. But they just thought, oh, this is some new thing. Radiation, radioactivity. That was at one point an, an unknown that became a known. And of course, the opium dens and they're putting cocaine and Coca-Cola. And now we're just, just now realizing that technology itself is a drug. and. I think it just got put into the DSMR four video game addiction. Finally landed in there as a mental illness. Time. Yeah, it took yeah. a second though because it's like this is not coming in the normal way. Like you're saying, I used to do it the old fashioned way, and it's true. Uh, but now we're now because it's the way the drug is administered doesn't match the way the drug used to be administered because it's coming through the optic nerve or it's coming through our ears. And not into our digestive tract, not in our bloodstream, but it's landing into into our into our consciousness in a different way. It isn't yet looked at as what it probably is, which is an incredibly potent drug that is highly reproducible at the most cost effective way. It's like to when you when you think the think of like a meth addict. I don't have to think hard on that. Well, imagine <laughs> back in the old days. Yeah. If you were able to take that meth 
and trans just double it for free. Or if there was a way to like, every time you put a picture on the internet, you would get some small amount of meth. That can be done though. I mean, <laughs> cam girls, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> just send me meth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a new drug. Yeah. All this stuff is brand new and we don't understand it. And we're just run we're just running into it. Now, like you get Alex Jones, he's up there on YouTube talking about how fucking I don't know what it was, uh Sandy Hook harassing the parents of children who were shot. Like the, there's a man who is harassing the parents. And calling other people to action. Yes. Yeah. Against like he's waging a weird war. Against the parents, like, okay, so you're, you have a child, your child is murdered in a school shooting. Now that's, I think that's, a, that's going to give you at least 20 years, a good 20 years of grief and feeling half crazy and waking up every day. I mean, a lifetime. Probably but, a lifetime. Some like probably less painful at some amount of time, but forever. Yeah, pretty much forever. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like 20 years of like absolute insanity, maybe followed by the re the last few years of your life, some kind, maybe you found peace with it. I don't know. So you, but on top of that, now a lunatic is sending messages through the my technological mycelium of the fucking internet to, to who the fuck knows out there saying that you are a crisis actor and that you have staged this entire thing. And then, in fact, no one was really shot. They were just trying to take our fucking guns away. So, so, and now so Facebook is like, or YouTube, or uh, I think it's, yeah, YouTube is like, all right, maybe we, maybe we don't need to put these messages out into the universe. And this is a new problem that people are going to have to start dealing with because it conflicts with our concept of freedom of speech. Because it's like, well, everyone deserves the right to say whatever they wish. And it's true, except that was true. When there wasn't the ability for the person who could say whatever they wanted to say that to the entire planet for free. And so now we're like, well, it's a different time. What, 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 like, is it okay to like, if I'm super persuasive and charismatic, is it okay for me to talk into a microphone to the entire planet and, and start kind of like in a, some small way, just hinting a little bit, just hinting a little bit that maybe, uh, just maybe. Everybody in Hollywood is a pedophile. They're all pedophiles out there, you know? Every single one of them are fucking kids. Everyone. And then you say that in a persuasive way, and someone with a great heart, for real, a great heart, who wants to protect children is going to, but maybe someone who doesn't have the immune system or doesn't have the like skill set, or maybe someone who's just a little warped because of this thing or that thing, probably because they were molested and they were like hurt badly in the most intense way that you can hurt somebody. One of the most intense ways. Maybe that person just thinks, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to take shit into my own hands. And now you got somebody pulling up at a pizza restaurant, you know, which happened with a fucking assault rifle looking for a basement filled with children. Now deaths start happening, you know? That wasn't going to happen back in the old day when you have to put shit on a printing press and like distribute it. You could pull it off, but you're going to have to be very dedicated. You know, now people are broadcasting their nervous breakdowns. People are having 
full-on manic episodes and broadcasting them and destroying their own life and then transferring that energy out into the planet where it catches, it's contagious, it's contagion. So what do we do? That's the question. What do we do? Duncan. <clears throat> Sorry about that rant. This is the first question. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and, this, and this can be, okay, so this can be as big or as little of a question as you want. Who are you? Oh, man. Um, who am I? It really is so dependent on when you catch me, I guess. I just <laughs> caught you right now. Yeah. Who are you now? Uh, well, right now I am... Um, becoming a dad. So that's one thing that I am. Is I may have heard that. Yeah. That's the weird thing about this relationship right now. Yeah. I know so much about you. Do. Yeah. 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 I'm becoming a dad. So now I'm, I've got all this stuff going on inside of me that is, I love, uh, but it's when you reproduce like the chips are, you really put all the chips on the table. Like there's no the, whatever mechanism your risk to reward ratio in life. Have you ever heard that term risk to reward ratio? Yeah. So that shifts massively when a child is coming and the kind of risks that in the old days might have like landed you in jail or, you know, caused some kind of ridiculous thing. They stop seeming worth it. Like they do before a child's coming when you have like a, a being dependent on you and, like lives dependent on you in a real way, not some soft way, but a real actual way. You have to maintain a, as stable a life as you can to make sure that this being coming into the universe gets to come into a spot that's like harmonized, harmonious as possible within reason. You can't fool yourself into thinking you're going to make some kind of perfect Garden of Eden for the child. No. I don't think you'd want to do that necessarily, but... So that's what I am right now. Becoming a dad, shit's gotten real for me in a way that hasn't happened for a long time. So that's how I feel right now. I like it a lot, but yeah. there's moments of fear. Oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Oh, thank you. I had a kid when I was 19, and if you just show up, things work out. Cool. That's the real truth of it all. Huh. He just turned nine. Me and his mom, <clears throat> who hated each other for years, we had the first birthday party together, all of us. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's magic, but you just show up. Right. And, you know, you can be like me and not have everything financially figured out, but um, it's an awesome journey. That's what people yeah. say. And I, be I believe it. I'm just, I mean, that's this house that you're in right now. You know, that's part of it. We had to move into a house that's bigger for the kid. We were in a smaller spot. And um, everything becomes sort of preparing for this. So, yeah, that's and I do keep hearing that from parents over and over and over again. Very rarely do you do I hear anything except it's amazing mixed in with like you're not going to sleep much for a bit. But Oh, it's like it's the whole range magnified. It's amazing. It's terrifying. It's all of the things. But um, man, those kids really make you take a look at yourself in some ways, you know, yeah. take a look at your parents, what you could do differently, what you could keep. And it's a weird self-examination. If I think if you want it to be, obviously you can just kind of let 
life unfold the way it does. And but for me, I, I know that like there were some cycles I wanted to stop. Yeah. My generation, like how cool, like no judgment against my mom or dad. But there was like, wow, I can like I can stop that cycle or like I can continue that tradition. And so. Yeah, man, that's yeah. one thing. For, like it's my, like I was drinking. I stopped drinking completely. That's done because I uh, I don't want to be a drunk dad. I don't want to be a drinking dad. That's no good for a kid. I don't feels like, you know, it's like like I was saying earlier, it's like what what works with jogging, you know, the, those kinds of things. Interestingly, I you was know, watching my wife go through pregnancy and realizing like, my God, if everybody just lived like a pregnant woman. Like if everybody just ate what you're allowed to eat when you're pregnant and drank what you're allowed to drink when you're pregnant, then it would, we'd be a million times healthier because they, they they just you have to become so healthy. Yeah. And I love that because it's like so, so selfless because the your ability to like take things that weren't so good for your body, that's okay. We're completely okay with poisoning ourselves in this culture. It's celebrated the poisoning of the self. Huge corporations are based around painting these beautiful one-minute things based on how, poisoning yourself. It's okay. It's fun. It's not so much now. There's laws in place, but you know the idea of the hero and cigarettes. The hero smokes. One of the most nefarious moves by an industry that maybe in recorded history is somehow tying in being a male hero to smoking. Because what do you do when you've been shot in a movie? Smoke. You fucking light a cigarette up. Oh, yeah. I'm dying. You look so cool when you're smoking, though. Oh, you look yeah. Fucking cool. You think you look really cool. You look like yeah. shit. You look like an idiot. <laughs> you look like a fucking idiot when you're smoking. Like, when you walk, now that, you know, you walk through the airport to get to your place, you're walking outside, and you pass somebody, and they're smoking. And you have a pregnant wife with you. We just went to get the TSA fascist Freedom America pass where you don't have to go through the pig line. Pre-check? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're late. You're late to the game, man. I know. Well, who wants to do it? To succumb to that level of tyranny that I've got. Some weirdo's got to fucking scan me to make sure I'm not a terrorist. It's like insanity. But, you know, my, my wife, she's wonderful. And she's like, trust me, let's just do it. We go to LAX. Fuck. And we're walking. My wife's pregnant. You walk through these clouds of poison being exhaled, exhaled from the rotting lungs of these the, potentially the most selfish people on earth. <laughs> just think of just 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 somehow convincing themselves that like, yeah, this is OK for me to stand out here and blow poison onto strangers just so I can in some way or another make this like this this itch go away temporarily it's just the most weak it's just weak it's like a just abject pure selfish weakness so but in our in our society that kind of shit is somehow like considered cool like that's pretty good like if you were satan that would be a big win for you to make people think that inhaling toxic clouds of poison was heroic yeah i did it forever i quit like three months ago mm. vaping i was vaping There's i smoked and then i quit cigarettes and went to vape and then i quit vape and i was totally on way more nicotine vaping oh yeah because quitting vaping was so much harder oh yeah than cigarettes fuck yeah it is <clears throat> time wait hold on okay duncan you're a podcaster yeah and a comedian 
and a writer. I want to get this down because the question was, who are you? Oh, you mean literally like biographically? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck do I do? Like, what? I, I got all like, esoteric. Yeah. I'm a changing spirit of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a podcaster. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. comedy. I'm a podcaster. And uh, yeah, that's it. I do a podcast and I do comedy. Awesome. I'm glad we got that out of the way. So uh, one of the, okay, the thing I really, the thing that really attracted me to you is like, the whole thing from the start was so unpolished. Yeah. It felt so real. And for me, I feel the pressure. Every time I post on social media, I feel the pressure to look cool and be cool. Yeah. And like my fucking bottom eyelids are too big. So we got to take the picture a certain way. What? You got great yeah. eyes. No, that's besides the fact because it's in my mind, you know. Who that, put that there? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. You got to track that one down. <laughs> you should put but, that off to the corner of a thing to track down. And uh, so there's something that – there's some magic that happens when I listen to you for me because it feels like you have surpassed that kind of outside judgment. Oh. And so I am selfishly here mm. to to pick your mind to pick your brain about it. Yeah. Because I know I'm probably in the majority, I feel like, of people who feel really self conscious about I uh two days ago, I bring these little portable watercolors with me. And I say, you know what's good, you know what'd be fun, Sam? Like sit down and watercolor for a bit. I said, oh, yeah, that'd be so fun. And then I start drawing and things are going okay. And then all of a sudden things aren't going okay. So I'm erasing and drawing and erasing and drawing. And I have limited amount of erasing left because the paper can only handle so much, you know, before. Right. <laughs> you know, and so, and then it was like, I just quit because you can never share this. Quit because you can never share this. That was like the, and then I took the pen and I'm like, it just had to commit. Like what I have now, it's got to go down. And so I outlined it in pen so I could finally watercolor. Right. But like, and I shared it today. On social media? On social media. Yeah. So it took two days yes. <laughs> to share this thing that started off. You know, what would be nice, Sam. It's just watercolor. That's cool. Yeah. You could do a lot of, there's a lot of different methods you can use to sort of in some way loosen the grip of your worry over what, how other people see you. I think there's a few tricks. <clears throat> it's all self-examination. That first thing is to really come up with a solid way of determining how much do people think about me at all? Hardly never in reality. Yeah. So that's a good one right there is to realize like, or another way to do it is like, as you're going through Instagram. Is that where you post the most Instagram? Who Facebooks anymore? Right. So Instagram. I do. I, I do Facebook. Yeah. Well, because now you can just forward it along. Yeah. yeah. No one gives a shit. No. That's the first thing is because you'll notice that as you're like going through your Instagram or Facebook or whatever, liking and doing the like the whatever the the nods and curtsies you're giving to whatever someone's putting there, you'll realize that like the amount of time you're spending. I don't know about you, but I know the amount of time I spend when I'm sliding through the Instagram pics is if I fave something on Instagram, the thought that goes into that has got to be like less than a millisecond in the amount of time. Here's here's a one trick you could do is just like tell me the tell me the things you faved over the last few weeks. Um the specific pics and posts. Cool art. 
Like what? Oh, like, I don't know. I follow a ton of artists. I used to do sculpture. So Just I describe some of the art to me. All right. Uh, a bunch of street art, some cool murals. Okay. Um, what was the street art? It was an uh, elephant, half of which was like a nice, nicely rendered kind of graphite looking drawing. And the other half was like very mechanical. That's cool. Sweet, man. Super cool. Yeah. Um, definitely went and liked uh, some pretty girls stuff. Who aren't like some random pretty girls, but like, you know, pretty girls who I'm single now, Duncan, you know, I got to say, so you got to send the wink. I got to put some likes in. You're right. You know? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I, I think if I look back on my likes and faves, I can tell you, I've liked some Neem Crowley Baba pics. I think I liked uh, my friend's birthday happened and his girls said something sweet about him. So I like that. But if I dig deep into things I'm liking and faving, I don't think about it at all. And if I, particularly if I see a picture of someone put up there and I think that's stupid or cheesy or dumb, like, I don't even know, I don't think about it. I just don't think anyone's thinking much about it, you or- I know, it's a really, it's a, I wrote a piece on it, like trying to examine it. It's a crazy mixture of self-loathing and narcissism. Yeah. Where it's like, you're so important that people will realize what a piece of shit that you think you are. Right, right. Also, by the way, I think self like it's you could say what it really is is like innately selfish, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's a fixation on the self, and and um, which is why the question you asked me, which I sort of was flabbergasted by, "Who are you?" is like a really great question to ask yourself. Who am I? And and to keep asking yourself that question. Well, you did. It, you went the right way. You just skipped the surface. Yeah, yeah, right. You yeah, know, like, yeah. It's supposed to start. It's like a dive. You have to yeah. dive through the surface and then do the deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> Go right down. Yeah. But who am I? Yeah. yeah. Skip skip the surface. The surface is the waterfall. So let's go behind the waterfall and see what the what the fuck's back there, you know, and, and go deep into into what maybe what we are actually and uh, what what you are in particular. And of course, what you begin to realize is that the, the tyranny that you're of, of perception that you're projecting onto people into the world is coming from within you and that within your own mind there is a kind of dark council of judgment that's what looking down at the watercolor and 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 producing all of these judgments of which you are imagining are real or valid because they're coming from within your own mind you've essentially simulated this sort of um jury in your mind and the jury tells you that your eyes are weird and the watercolors fucked up and the whatever the thing is is fucked up and but that's not real that's just your brain simulating potential danger zones in the real world which will never happen nobody's ever going to look at your watercolor and say dude that fucking sucks <laughs> if they did it would be amazing it would like be an amazing <laughs> moment if someone authentically looked at your watercolor and got really mad like you just one thing I like to do if I'm really being particularly judgmental to myself, because usually the what I what the way it goes is like I realized, oh fuck, I've gone into a judgment phase, right? Because I was like walking through some store and I was looking around at everybody, and I was being so judgmental and thinking shitty thoughts about every. And I'm realizing, wait a minute, I'm thinking shitty thoughts about everyone who passes. And then it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
what's going on, man? And then I, you realize, oh, there's something in me. Like I'm, there's something I'm dissatisfied in me. There's something out of tune in me, out of whack that I would be doing that. But anyway, get it in, find the first, let's find the inner counsel, the simulated judges, you know, that's the trick, I think. And then let's start having little conversations with them, which is why I mentioned that. What's your problem with your eyes? Oh, a lot. But in that particular instance, I was talking about my lower eyelids are big. Okay. And, and if you look at all the really pretty people, their eyelids are like small. It's so weird. When I saw your eyes coming <laughs> up the steps, I was like, wow, the guy's got beautiful eyes. <laughs> That's funny. So like, so one thing we know for sure, just because I exist in the planet and I saw your eyes and thought, those are great eyes. It's not your idea of your eyes is not applicable to the entirety of the planet minus maybe the entire population of the planet minus one person being me. So if you start taking like a scientific approach to the self-judgment, think, wait, is this universally true regarding my eyes? No, because this is what I wrote about. It's like I never go through the world. I think this is how tricky this kind of negative thinking is. I never go through the world and go... You know what, Duncan? Your ears are just so offensive to me. Yeah. They offend me. Go right. hide in a cave forever. Yeah. Because they're just not fit for human population. Yeah. But there's a special set of rules that apply to me that I should be this. I should be that. I yeah. should be Zac Efron pretty wow. and um, as talented as blank and as like I should be. And that's like the center of a lot of my misery is like. Uh, right now we're like, I'm like, you know, somehow making it, doing the podcast, doing this thing, a little bit of side work, like somehow paying all the bills. And that's amazing. But I should be this, mm. you know, I should, it's like all these shoulds. Ram Dass calls that shooting all over yourself. I should all over myself. And I, yeah. I, I'm, con I'm aware that the shoulds are shit. As my mom says, shoulds are shit, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you went, when you let the background run long enough, you stop noticing it. And so there's areas where it's easy for me, like me going through daily life these days, I'm pretty happy and pretty okay. It's when I interact with the mysterious population that is the public. And especially if you're podcasting, if you're doing art, if you're doing poetry, part of it is getting out there. Part of it is showing your work. And then part of it means that you are now vulnerable to critique. Right. And critique is fair. It's fair for, for people to critique your work, sure. right? Like you're not going to go to a movie unless you think it's probably going to be good. Anybody can critique, you know, that's, that's fine. But I, I think you, we just have to be very careful with the consumption of criticism and uh, you know, the, there should be perhaps a hierarchy of, critique and crit criticism that is coming from someone who has some skill set that would allow them to look at what I'm doing and say, Hey, here's like a real rough spot versus some angry person who just like did a rail of Coke and is on YouTube at 1am. These are two right. different things altogether. <clears throat> People are forgetting all that shit in too. Like also the, tendency for the mind to pick out the perceived danger over the non-danger is uh, like the amygdala stuff is tricky because you'll notice like if you post this thing or that thing, the thing that's going to stand out is the most enraged critique. So 
you might have a wall of, that's really good, or thank you, that really helped me, or that cleared something up. Nice, whatever. And all you need is just one person who's like, you fucking failure, you fuck, fraud, (laughs) fucking fraud, piece of shit. And all the other stuff scatters like birds out of a tree, leaving this one hissing snake that you'll look at and be like, oh, and then that might be who you respond to. Of course. You're right. So like, and that's when Satan wins. Because it's like, instead of all these beautiful people who are like taking the time to say, man, thank you so much. And you writing back to them like, whoa, thank you. You're giving all your sweet, blessed attention to the one hissing pig who's like a vampire for reals. Because he's figured out if I send you the dark vibes, I can turn those dark vibes into your attention on me. And he's been doing that. If I get like a blast on Twitter for from someone... I never, I these days rarely respond. But what I do do sometimes is I go check them out. Like, who the fuck is this? Let's see what's going on down on their timeline. And inevitably it'll be like, in a row, 19 tweets of various people. You know you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you're the sickest fuck. I, I fucking hate you. And then maybe something about like ha- hockey, like keeping track of a hockey team or some shit. And you're like, who gives a fuck? This guy is just a, like this guy, is someone in a pool of sulfuric psychic energy in hell and is just screaming through tweets at various people who've crossed their right through their their field of perception and is throwing darts at them and trying to spread their poison out in the world. So <clears throat> the problem with that is when we were younger, we didn't have the ability to understand that at that the level we can now, which means that we in 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 uh, jested the psychic poisoners. And that's called cops in the head. Have you heard that term before? No. So inner city neighborhoods where there's a huge police presence and people are getting fucked with all day long. P- cops in the head is the term for when somebody, when the area doesn't have to be policed as much because the people have created a police presence in their own mind and now they start acting like a cop is watching them when a cop isn't watching them. It's also called colonization. So we, we get all these clues about where we've been colonized by the most horrific things that we tell ourselves on a daily basis, particularly the, your eyes. There was a point when I guarantee there was a point when you looked in the mirror and you thought your eyes were fine. I don't know. There was a point. Yeah. Yeah. And so the question, which was why I asked, like, well, where did that one come from? Kids are mean, man. Right. Kids are really mean. So that's it. So, but there is, right. So discovering that poison dart, because that's what it is. It's it Jenny. It's fucking Jenny. Was it someone named it was Jenny? Jenny. For real? Yeah, for real. There you go. Yeah. No, I know that. How old was Jenny? I don't know. We were like fourth grade, maybe. <laughs> right. So think of that. Of now, like now, imagine a fourth. How old is a fourth grader? Oh, uh, nine, ten. How my much son's is, going in a fourth grade, right? Yeah. So, like, imagine Weird. a Meta. nine-year-old coming up to adult you <laughs> and telling you anything, <laughs> and it bothering you, like going around the rest of for the next fucking. How long's Jenny's dart been emitting this? terrible raider dark poisonous shit in your mind how long has it been since the fourth grade how old are you i'm 20 about to be 29 29 oh my so 19 years yeah 
19 fucking years. Well, once you get the first thing, now you're on alert for it. Now you need confirmation bias. You need the stigma. Like, whoa, is this true? Is this true? And then you start looking at people. You notice that their eyelids aren't as big as yours. Right. <laughs> well, just then to you, confirm. Then you, yeah. Then you start piling it on. You know, it's like there are, I always like looked at people coming out of uh, high school and stuff. And like some of them just seem like a duck, like a Teflon. Like it just, they, yeah. none of it came. I was like the wad of gum. You know, I just like picked up all this stuff. I was like just sensitive enough that I like was receptive to all this. And like, oh, here, we'll make more room. We'll just work this one in yeah. deeper. And now we have more room. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. But then when you do realize the absurdity of the fact that you have a nine-year-old's opinion shaking up your daily life, and it's it's just, I've never thought about how old she was. It's good to yeah. to, to, to to trace it back, to trace it because it's like we do we every every single one of us, and I keep using the term dart because in shamanism that's what the sorcerers do is they throw this psychic darts, these thing called poison darts. <sighs> I'm hesitating because I think of all the darts I've thrown. We all have. Accidentally or intentionally. But so we have all these inside of us, all these. Uh, well, I had a time where I was sick of being the victim. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like there was a time where uh, I just talked about this yesterday. So sorry to everyone who has heard it again. But yeah, I got cheated on. I never wanted that to happen. So I was going to be the cheater. And I got hurt and picked on and I didn't want. Like there's only one way out, you know? And so, yeah, that was like a huge part of it. I've had to go to like friends, uh, a friend's parents' funeral in particular, sober. And I had to go talk to all these guys and like, they were so happy for me, but they were like, you're a real piece of shit. And this was before I was like crazy drug addict. This was just like high school. You're like, you're a real piece of shit. You really made my high school hard for me. You know, and I wasn't even like that cool. That was just like my way of like somehow floating in the middle. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I had reached the pinnacle because not that that even matters. But yeah, man, that's good to know, too, Yeah, to look. But it's good. You have the compassion for yourself to know, like, well, I was just once you realize like you're one. This is all, of course, the key to compassion for other people. And realizing, like, all, it's so rare to run into an authentically evil person. I I believe in very little evil. Yeah. Regardless of the circumstances. No yeah. matter how heinous it seems like on the outside, I think. Yeah. Evil's really rare. And we're really quick to put people in boxes. Yeah. You know, oh, you voted for this person? Evil. Evil. You believe in that? Evil. You're this religion? Evil. Yeah. Right? Because it's so much easier. It's so much easier. Our minds are kind of made to put things in boxes for survival, I think. I'm not a biologist by any means, but I feel like, you know, oh, that that bush, kill you. That bush will kill you, you know? Like, we won't revisit that bush until, like, we have, like, modern science and right. can figure out it's actually a really nice spice if you cook it first. Right. But in the old, old days, ancient times, that bush, death. Yeah. You know, that tribe over there, not good. Yeah. They're not good people because yeah. they also have weapons. Right. That tribe over there, friendly people. They're cool. Yeah. They, we both like the same things. We trade animals, you know, but uh, to actually see the full picture is terrifying. You know, I was, I was talking to uh, Tina Alexis Allen yesterday, which won't be yesterday in podcast time, but, and she was uh, molested by her brothers and really abused by her father. And the miraculous thing is that in her memoir, no one's evil. 
they're all very complicated humans. It's like the book is all in shades of, of gray. There's no black and white. And that's what we talked about is like how hard it is to go. Cause here's the thing. Like when, when you talk to, when you talk to somebody who doesn't know about that person's bad deeds, sometimes it's hard for them to even conceive it. Cause how can you mix pedophile or incestual incest person with this good person who is also a, a great person and did all these good things. They don't mix, right? How can you, you have to ditch one and pick the other, but the truth is that they're actually both. They're both of those people. They're the person that did volunteer at the church. And they're also the person that did this. And I, I believe that like the, of course you have some people that their minds, they're probably just not capable of doing anything for a good reason but i think that's really rare rare really rare yeah like so rare that if you think you've met two you're wrong right <laughs> you know like bad bad math everyone yeah. just needs a basic class and statistics probability just basic like how to do a study because everybody's using just really fucked up data like all the data most of us are using really fucked up data to make sense of the world it's shit that would never work in a study like we're using sample sizes, like you're saying, of two in our, we're not giving people like forms where they have to answer detailed questions. We're just making some like blurry assessment based on one bad day they're having. But, you know, it's like everyone, it feels, it's hard, like there is an aggressive impulse in people. There's a violence in people. It seems like it feels- I have it inside for sure. Yeah. And it's hard to crucify someone if you're being nuanced about it, you know, and everyone's really wanting to crucify people these days with no nuance at all in this insane sense that the mob style crucifixions are making things better in the world. And, and that, well, yeah, we've really found the evil. We've true. Now we've truly uncovered the great evil, whatever it may be. And the mob swarms and the person gets taken down. And then it's like, and that, it's just, it doesn't work. That approach. We have to, you're right though. It's like finding that place of compassion and nuance and observe in our judgment of other people. And then that, if we could just apply that to ourselves. See, that's the other thing. It's just that, that application of that to the external world, do it to ourselves. Then we'd be cooking with gas, kicking ass. I have a question about yourself. Sure. So- it feels to me when I hear you talk, especially when you're going on these crazy rants and these funny, like I sometimes will just listen to the intro of your podcast. That's not, nice to hear. Not that I don't want to hear the guest, yeah. but just because that one little moment is like so Duncan's area. And I try to almost recreate that with mine where it's like, this is my five minutes. Yeah. And no, you can't tell me I can't have it because you can skip past it. Yeah. If you want, you skip. know, and, um, but it is so authentic. And so my goal for this project, because you never know, like you didn't start the podcast knowing if it was going to be no way. a thing ever. My thing is to become more Sam here every day because my friends get to see me. But like the, the podcast started with me as NPR Sam. Hello, this is Sam. <laughs> Welcome to How to Human. Yeah. And there are, I feel like the more comfortable I can get, the better it's going to be for the people who love this program because you'll say things that are gross and vile and so Duncan, like, so it's, it's their thoughts coming in your head, like thinking about 
pus-filled sacks of ooze. That you know? does sound like me. Yeah, right. And because uh, you just you like paint these vivid pictures that yeah. are probably the pictures going on in your mind. And I still have that fear of what would happen if I was completely me. Because I'm gross too. Right. I'm really gross. Not in like a creepy way. Yeah. Just in like a wow, that's a very strange thought you just yeah. had, Sam. You know. Sure. And do you? Cultivate it. Is it something that happened naturally? Please don't say no. Please say no to that. So it can be something we can learn because like, where do you come from where you go, I'm going to show up as Duncan and this is what Duncan is. And it means that 10% of my current listeners are probably not going to like that one part. Right. Well, I refer to the Bhagavad Gita and matters like this, which is we have a right to our action. We do not have a right to the fruits of our action. So I love that verse so much because it kind of frees you from thinking too much about the result. It's just being in the moment of being in the moment and allowing what's outflowing to outflow. And then um, that's it. It's when it comes to like, for, and also it's super important to know that what you're hearing when you hear those rants didn't just happen all at once. That could be a couple of days of sitting in front of the microphone hoping that I'll catch some wind that comes out. Um, and many things deleted. You know, like going and listening, going back and listening and realizing like, you pious piece of shit. Listen to you teaching the world. <laughs> you know, get that out of there. That's not funny. That's shit. You know, and then going back and listening again. Oh, that's fucking stupid. Now you're just trying to be shocking. Get get rid of that. What is that? You know, so there is an edit, editing process that goes to it for sure. Like inevitably I will, when I'm being particularly lazy, will resort to some kind of like lessening some preachy ass thing. And I don't like that because like I, I want, I, I don't want to be like, I think that that's easy to do. So anyway, it takes it, it, those rants that people like, they, it takes editing. It's just, you don't hear the editing. God, if you could hear like some of this, me sitting down here trying to record an intro to a podcast and the insanity of it. And like, I will spend- I've had like track 106, <laughs> you know, like yeah. or, uh, when you record. Yes, and, yeah. exactly. I just delete it. I just delete it. It's like, fuck it. I don't even like lay the tracks. I just like, fuck it. This is no good. Or we're not track clip 106. Yeah, like clip you tried a hundred over and yeah. over. And then I'll end up after like a day or two, usually about a day. And I'll be so sad. Cause I'll look at it and be like, that's 15 minutes. That's too long. No matter what it is you've said here, it's too I long. I know you get like seven at yeah, most. Yeah. Right. And that's a depressing moment where it's like, God damn it. I don't have time. I've got to upload it because I have to, you know, get an ad out this week and then I'll upload it. Or so quite often what will happen is the next day I'll come and sit down and listen to it and realize, oh, only the first two minutes matter. And yeah. so the entire day is thrown out the window for the first two minutes and that's the process. So it, it's it, it it's a little smoke and mirrors, I guess, because it could seem as though I'm just sitting down. And I'm comparing my insides to your own. Yeah. 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 It takes time to do it. I wish every once in a while, maybe a few times a year, I'll sit down and holy fuck, I did it. There it is. It's great. But yeah, no, 
It's it's rare for that to happen. It usually takes a long time to 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 get to a place that I like with something. Is there a place you like to like create from? Like, is there like an active kind of like you sit down and you go, I'm here to make blank. This is why I'm here to do this or. Well, like I'll have sort of my mind will be like chewing on some particular concept and then I'll, there'll be like versions of that concept that get repeated or you know, one thing Raghu, who runs the Love Server Member Foundation, was teaching me is just a great thing is like people love stories. Like they want to they don't want to hear your observation about, well, you know, here's how we should be. They want to hear a parable, you know, I like the parable of the sower, you know, that that could e- just easily be told in a simple way, which is like sometimes, man, some people just aren't going to like digest information. Some people, they're just not in the place in their lives where they can digest information. And a lot of the really great stuff that comes into the world is ignored or misunderstood. Like you could say that and it's really like not going to be a... It's dry. I tuned out a second. Yeah. Yeah. But if I tell you like about someone throwing seed... Some of the seed landed on dry ground and some of the seed was eaten by the birds, you know, then somehow that creates this, what Burroughs called a mythic resonance. And now it goes on and on. So I think that's a cool little trick is to imagine something you might want to say, whatever it could be. And then ask yourself, is there something that happened to me where this thing could be said through telling that story and see if the two, you can weave the two together. And if you could do that, then now you've got some sugar around the medicine. And that's, I think, a good crafts person does that, you know, which is like, instead of just saying it, when are we going to learn to be kinder to each other? When are we going to learn to be compassionate? Well, all right. That's okay, I guess. Whatever. That's one of my favorite things about you. And then also a uh, previous guest, Steve Simone. And it's like, you guys on the surface are comedy. Yeah. Right. On the surface, it's just entertainment, but then there's this kind of profound little undertone. Right. Where until you start looking at it, you go, Oh my God, you know, but it just kind of smoothly passes as entertainment, but more effective. Yeah. It's really effective. I think these days it's all about being pragmatic. It's like most people I think want to spread love into the world. I want to live in a loving universe. I want to I want to spread love in the world. Oh, shut up. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Get the get him on the fight. Get him out of here. That's fucking stupid. No shit, dumbass. We all want to spread love. But if there's a way to like make that funny and put it in some kind of any any kind of, you know, put a puppet around that hand and make it have googly eyes and seem funny, then maybe it's going to be more effective. You see comedians on Twitter these days. It's like and they they're and I get it, man. You know, here's what I was thinking. The king always had the court jester around, you know? And this was great. There's people who've studied, like, ancient comedy or the role of the comedian tribally. Why do we, why would, why, like, why in Native American culture, this, uh, there's a trickster figure that emerges. There was someone in the tribe who was the comedian. And it was kind of a mystical, um, 
my friend studied them. My friend Raven like studied. I can't remember. I always forget the name of this figure. It's a really cool name. But he went to his friend was doing um, a ceremony, a Lakota ceremony where they hang them by hooks. It's called the Sundance. And um, his friend invited him to witness because you're supposed to have a witness there. And the it's called like the Awoka or Wehoka. It's the comedian figure in the tribe. And um, this being, I mean, this is the most psychedelic story I've ever heard. He goes to watch his friend. He's hanging from hooks by the flesh. And this trickster figure has a, this guy in the tribe has a fishing pole with a $20 bill attached to it. And in the midst of this super sacred ceremony <laughs> is throwing the fishing pole out with money and reeling it back in, just doing the most profane, ridiculous thing. And so one of the theories is what it does is it like diffuses it's like a, it, 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 all that power can get imbalanced. Like if we let this person or that person have all the power and don't make fun of them and show how absolutely ridiculous it is, this person's prancing around like a king or whatever. Oh, uh, you know, you, it's like that, that helps to like bring the, to sort of democratize the power a little bit. Cause now the people are laughing. The power has been drawn into the people and the people are laughing a little bit of the thing. It's not quite so serious. So I was thinking like how absolutely dangerous, like it, a, a comedian, a trickster, one of the great tricks a trickster would love to pull off would be for people to start thinking that they're like a prophet. Oh my God. The moment we start confusing our comedians with prophets, we're fucking doomed. That's like, that's what they're going to want to do. They're fools. They're going to want to trick you into thinking they're the goddamn Messiah. They want, they, they, trust me as a comedian, if I could fool you into thinking that I'm like, the the like the the a king if like the jester suddenly becomes the king to the point where the king gets off the throne and lets the jester sit there the kingdom is doomed and so i think in comedy you're what you're seeing now is something completely ridiculous which is these comedians are managing to make people think they're prophets or transmitters of some divine information and that they're important in the sense that they're really important. Oh boy, am I important? I don't even know if we should do comedy anymore. You know, that's like a great trick, but it's a comedian, it's a trick. So they're called tricksters. They trick us for fun, for spiritual, mystical reasons. Anyway, my point is like many comedians, it feels like some comedians at least have been taking this very interesting path which is like they've gone from being comedians to polemicists, you know? And I get it. Polemics is cool. Lecturing's cool. Telling people how to live is cool. Doing it in a really profound way is cool. I mean it. I don't mean it sarcastically. It's like, whoa, fucking awesome. Very persuasive argument. We should start a debate club based around what you're doing, you know? But is it, But to me, it's like, well, what I love is just the role of the trickster, you know, that we distort reality according to our whims. And maybe within that distortion field, there's something in it that has a kernel of like love, sincerity, the desire to heal, to heal, right? But like, who the fuck is the comedian who does? Bill Hicks has this great joke where he's like, why do I do comedy? It's not to heal through laughter or any of that bullshit. <laughs> That's good. That's good to say. But really, he is doing that because he's an art an artist and art does heal, you know, but to come to, to like actually like I'm healing through my laughter. 
I'm bringing comedy into the world because I want the world to heal. Get the fuck off the stage! Go do, do go be a therapist. <laughs> you know, go do some kind, go do something else. So where do you create from? What? Where do you create from? From what's the purpose? Yeah, the purpose. Yeah, is that where you create from is purpose. I don't know where do you create. I'm asking you. Oh Jesus Christ! You know this is. Well, let's go back to the waterfall idea. You know this is kind of like. Well, where does the water start? You know, you we can announce where the water starts. Where where does the river start? I think they can find it sometimes. Like you know, you go up to like go up the mountains and you go around the pass and you bend around this place and that and maybe there's some trickle coming from this spot. But then it's like, okay, well, but where's the water and the trickle coming from? Well, the water and the trickle is coming from <clears throat> um, the melting snow. Oh, the melting snow. Well, where did the melting snow come from? Well, the melting snow came from snow. It's ice. It's so water. Fucking pre precipitation, man. Oh, right. And where did that come from? Oh, well, it came from the oceans. Where did the oceans come from? Where the fat of the water even get on the fucking planet? Uh, meteor impact, right? So anytime I say, oh, well, I'm creating from this place, it's a lie for sure. Or it's just like I've decided a point along the river or a point where in the, the, oh, this is the spot. But I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it at all. Whenever I sit down and do anything uh, and, and, and identify a purpose to it, or this must be the root or the bed of creation, the, it's not, if I, even if I think it's what it, is it's never turns out to be that historically. I'll look back and like, that wasn't what that was. I don't want to wrap it up in a purpose because I think it's doesn't really have one. I'll just sit in front of the microphone and open my mouth and then stuff comes out. And then that's it. And then I upload it. And then I try not to think about it too much. Because if I think about it too much, especially if I look at the comments one way or the other, oh my God. I'll either read the letters and the and, and think, oh wow, I huh. I think I'm changing people's lives. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to get on the mic and really try to change your life. And now I'm fucked because now I've become something that I think you want me to be. Or worse, I'm going to read some shitty comment, which is like, you didactic son of a bitch. You know, your pro psychedelic stuff is going to someone's going to wind up in a mental hospital. Because then you're going to become someone that somebody else wants you to be. Yeah. Hold, hold, please hold right there. Wow. So, like, is it not then just to then honor who your spirit is deep down? Is that not the purpose? Because that felt like the, the core of that whole statement right there was that if you start trying to find purpose in your work, you'll become someone that someone else wants you to be, which is exactly what I am asking about yeah it's miraculously come full circle yeah yeah you well it's one of the dangers also another danger is assigning purpose like you know think of a waterfall and imagine if you were you go up to the waterfall to get your big pick and you look over and there's some dude and he's looking up at the waterfall and he's like kind of bummed out and you look at that dude and you're like, what's wrong, man? And he's like, this fucking waterfall is failing. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what do you mean? Don't you know what it's for? What? Well, the waterfall, we're supposed to put a wheel there in front of the waterfall and use all that energy so we could fucking make a sawmill. And it's just going to waste. Waterfalls are for energy. We got to harvest that fucking energy. 
And you'd feel really sad for that guy because you think, man, that sucks to do that to a waterfall. That's just a waterfall. What's it for? Huh? It's free of that bullshit, right? It's free. That waterfall's free. You're the one applying the, 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 you're the one quantifying the waterfall. And that's a miserable condition, not for the waterfall, because the waterfall doesn't give a shit. But it's a miserable condition for that person who doesn't see waterfalls. He just sees failed sawmill locations, you know? So that assigning of purpose to ourselves, boy. It can be dangerous. It can be dangerous in the sense of like, well, I don't know. And then it's like, well, maybe, you know, at some point I don't want to be that thing anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge, uh, I believe in like results, right? And so I don't, a lot of people are really hung up over like objective truth. Like what is true of that situation, you know? Yes. And I don't, you know, I don't worry about if, if God's true or not. I know that if I like have a problem that I can't fix and I, I told you, I'm like an atheist who believes in God because it works, yeah. you know? And so it's like, I don't care. Right. I just don't care if there is or is not a God. I know that when I have a problem bigger than myself that is not in my power and I just give it away to the universe or it's been the ocean at times or the moon or a Christian God, it's changed, whatever. But uh, I know that I do better. Right. I know that I'm now free of that problem. I'm not sucking up energy. And so, you know, if uh, purpose helps i'm all for it but i love kind of what you're saying that i think there's a tool in there too of not having a specific purpose especially for the point of honoring that kind of spirit inside you which i i kind of believe like jack cornfield said um he changed the way i thought about change because i always felt like I'm this guy, but I really want to be more together and kinder to other people and more productive. And he's like, stop. And this is all paraphrasing. He's like, stop, stop changing. Like Mm. that, that person that you want to be is actually your eternal soul. And you've just added all this shit on. That's cool. And so it's not about changing it's not about like growing in this direction yeah it's actually about just like removing the shit you put on that that's great because that's like god jesus christ here's the other thing we go to the waterfall the next day and this man is building a fucking sawmill on the thing you would want to stop him can you imagine if humans suddenly started to improve waterfalls what a mess that would be for, for, for the world. If like, you know, oh man, you hear, do you hear that? God, it sounds bad. We did haul three boulders there to the right, drop a boulder there. Then it'll sound like a real fucking waterfall. I don't know what this shit is. Right. And then we move that to butterflies. Like, and, and, and people start like, f- like painting butterflies, figure out some like non-toxic spray that we can spray on butterflies to make them a little more orange. The monarch butterfly is just not quite the right orange these days. We've got to darken our butterflies. And then trees and grass, somehow nature just gets to do whatever the fuck it wants. And everyone's like, this is fine, unless it's a golf course. There are people who obviously trim their fucking hedges, etc. <laughs> But in general, like if we go into a national forest, if some fucking assholes in a national forest, you know, trying to like paint the shrubbery, <laughs> it's going to be a mess. And then, but for ourselves, we're always in this never ending self-improvement process. Cornfield's right. 
When you look at a human being, we're like a waterfall covered in sawmills and the boulders have been repainted and the water's got a water filter at the top. And there's like all kinds of um, safety mechanisms in the cave behind the waterfall where people can be certain not to drown. And Jesus Christ, it's sad. All these groomed waterfalls walking around. And yeah, we have to stop grooming our own waterfalls, I guess. It's like just... And then stop asking why. You can ask why if you want, but boy, if I start asking myself why, I do. Yeah, I can't do the the detective game of trying to figure out the truth. It just doesn't. I there's science and there's like fields dedicated to it, and I'm glad they're there. You know, I'm so glad they're there, but not me. Like, did it work? You know, right. That's all. I did it get the effect that I need? You know, like does I don't know if I if I wake up and wait two hours before stuffing my face. Do I feel better? That's cool. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So like, do I care why? Nah. Right. Not really. Yeah. I just you know, wait a few hours. Just yeah. That's what feels good. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That stuff's good. I'm not saying don't self-improve. I guess it's just like. No, no. I'm saying like, I don't know. I lost it. Yeah, damn. That's what we use. do though. Damn the drug use. It's not, it's not, it's just humanness. And, yeah. and, but I, I know if when I sit down, to have a conversation with someone, if I can strip away all agendas and just allow the moment to happen, then I find that um, even though it's usually two people on the podcast, there's that great thing Jesus said, which is something along the lines of when three or more are gathered in my name, maybe it's two, we'll make it two. When two or more are gathered in, in my name, there I will be. And I think Fritz Perls talked about the gestalt, which is this, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And I think just sitting down into a space and opening yourself up to the possibility that what Martin Luther King said is right, that there's a, the moral, I always fuck it up. It's so there's a long arc to the universe that bends in the direction of justice and just trust that just that kind of thing where I don't even know what my place is here in this kingdom. You say the place you're at right now is I don't even think there's a fucking King, but every once in a while he sends me gifts. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine, that's okay. Not every once in a while, man. I feel like I'm in the flow right now. Yeah, yeah. It's just I'm, that. I just don't care to know what it is. Right. Well, you don't. Maybe you. Or don't, if it is, you don't need to. Yeah. Because that's the way I look at it. Is and that's why I really love in Christianity the never ending. Like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is this. The kingdom of heaven is that. It's like a mustard seed. All these beautiful things. You're sort of talking about like this this kingdom. And uh, this wild, mysterious, incredible idea that that there are there is a, something, for lack of a better word, word that is a king like a royal. Or I think in India they've come come up with little many like adjectives that are a little better, like Krishna, meaning the supreme reservoir of all pleasure. But this idea of like, well, if we can like just decide one simple thing which is who am i ser am i serving this king even if i don't believe the king exists necessarily or 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 who am i what what am i up to here you can be a drunken servant you can be the most hammered crazy drunken confused servant of this king and the king is such a great king or queen or queen. Why not? Yeah. Sure. Well, both. Yeah. I mean, we're using these fucking constructs that are like being translated from like the logos, you know, 
You can call it that, the logos. However you want to call it. You could say there's a trans there's a a, a gender neutral transmission. That's <laughs> gender neutral transmission. Yeah. And that you've become a speaker through which a gender neutral love transmission emanates from time to time when you're not particularly confused or fucked up. Every once in a while, the speaker just starts working and coming out of it like those old ham radio operators. It comes something comes out. And that thing that comes out for whatever reason, seems to be healing to some people. I don't know why or where it's coming from. God forbid my fucking speaker should start wondering why it's doing what it's doing or thinking about what it should be playing. I want it to play what's coming out of the, what I'm picking from Spotify. God forbid my speaker should suddenly be like, oh no, I can make this better. (laughs) No, play the fucking Spotify. Play the Spotify, bitch. I wanted to hear Uncle John's band. Not your improvement on the fucking thing, speaker. I'd get a new speaker, you know. So it's like that kind of just resigning ourselves to this idea that maybe we're just a transmission device from time to time for a gender neutral love transmission that has as one of its side effects the tendency from time to time to make some people feel a little less rotten on the planet. Great. Hmm. I have like three more questions because you've been really generous with your time. We've gone way over. I've been talking too much. No, it's good. It's good. Gives us, we can edit down. We have all this material now. Fucking have to edit this. What a nightmare. Oh no, it's so great. It's so good. I've had this crazy thing happen recently, pretty recently, where over the course of talking to these people, these amazing humans, I have no, I am no longer able to motivate myself with abuse. Something there's been a uh. there's been a consistent enough message talking to these awesome heroes of mine that I am no longer able to say like you got to get this done you sack of shit which is like the way I would talk to myself or like somebody's out there working harder than you you got to do it you know these are the ways I would subconsciously in, in the fact that like it, I'm relearning how to work effectively and it's slow and it means like i'm not as productive as i want to be i'm relearning how to work hard while still being ridiculously kind to myself it's a very strange so i was wondering it takes a lot of work right to do i know for a podcast but do podcast to write to be a good partner it all takes a lot of work how do you find the balance and how do you stay at the computer like how do you stay at the computer to see it through yeah What's your frame of Mm. of mind to, you know, give it the right amount of time, not go. We were talking about procrastinating with awesome things like cooking a really nice decadent lunch that takes an hour. That's my modular sense. That's my procrastination. Beautiful. How do you put the time in while still trying to enjoy it, trying to uh, give it the time that it needs because it needs time? Well, I'm, you know, this is an evolving process, that thing you're talking about. So I'm always evolving the process and I'm learning more and more about efficiency. Um, you know, so that's, so I, first of all, I love it. So when I come here and start working, I love the feeling of it. The freedom within it feels so good to me. Like, but get, can't your mind trick you into feeling like it's work and there's so much to do? Cause I get stuck there sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So this is, I'm lucky because I have this amazing, wife and she's helped me see a lot of stuff that I have been a little blind to. So, I mean, like, I, I like, you know, 
you know, when you're in a relationship, you can see what kind of roles you like to play. Um, not all of them, but you could see some of them. So one game I have played, one of the, it's definitely like the game of like the tortured artist. Me too. Victim. Oh my God. It's me. such a fun game to be the toy. Oh my God. The pain of creation. If only you knew. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a baby inside her, motherfucker. She knows. Shut up. What are you even talking about? Oh, if only you knew. This is a great horror. So like I can trick myself into thinking that, right? Meanwhile, the whole time where I'm like, oh, the great burden of just letting make him a thing. And I'm like, sir, I'm on fucking Reddit. <laughs> you know? Like, come on. Come on. And this is why I think the scene in The Shining is one of, has, like, one of the most brilliant uh, recreations of this particular game, which is where a non-productive person is translating their non-productivity into somehow being burdened by the laborsome presence of someone else in their life, putting it all on the other person and imagining it's like they're being oppressed in some way or another by the world to keep them from making their art. That scene, uh, the, if you'll recall, uh, Jack Nicholson is typing at his typewriter and he's picked the space for his office in this massive hotel to be this giant echoey chamber it's like this huge space where he's like typing so he's like dwarfed by the space that he's in and i think that represents the freedom of the artist like all this great when you sit down to work nothing is stopping you except you there's just this beautiful expanse within which you can sing or make music or write or whatever it's infinite freedom so nicholson sitting in this fucking like massive space his abused wife comes downstairs and interrupts if I don't remember what it is right and he's like when you hear me typing remember <laughs> click, click. when you hear this click 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 that means I'm typing and when I'm tight when you interrupt my work right and so then we find what the fuck has he been typing over and over and over again all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a He's been doing shit. <laughs> he's been making shit. And he's been blasting, putting his fucking wife on blast. Like her walking down there with a sandwich was fucking him up, right? So that's a game that an artist will play to imagine that. So thank God I've learned that. Like, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like, I've attached heavy weights I'm catching myself more and more. It does seem like a skill where it's like, like I used to even like people be like, how you doing? And I knew they, their life situation wasn't great. So I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, all right. Yeah. It's life. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Rather than like, dude, I, I'm fucking loving every second of this. Yeah. Cause it's like, you kind of want to like, I felt this pressure to like be at their level. Yeah. And in the same way, I feel like this pressure that it has to be a ton of work. I've only recently during this phase said, I wake up now and I go, you have the best job in the world. Yeah. And I was, I'm scared right now to say that in the mic because I feel like, uh-oh, like people who don't have the best job in the world are going to hear that. And then maybe there won't be patrons anymore. No, you know? they love hearing that. This is the, I don't know where we got into our, there's a, there is a, a kind of like prohibition on expressions of joy in our culture right now, which is, uh, I don't know where the fuck that came from, but you're not supposed to emanate 
any kind of like joy language. It might offend people. <laughs> yeah, you're afraid it'll upset people. And it's like, it's upsetting no one. Like whenever I'm listening to people who are authentically happy, it makes me happy. Like I find there's some hope. If I'm hearing someone, you know, in a real way, the truly professing joy, not someone in a manic state who's like, you know, being flayed alive by some unknown condition and in the midst of being flayed, screaming out, I'm so fucking happy. <laughs> I've never been so happy. That's like, that's, that's, that's fucked up. You know, that shit in hell. That's hell state stuff. Like, I know that must happen in hell. I guarantee it happens in fucking hell that there's people who've normalized their torture and must like yell out, out like, this is the best day of my life. You know, so that's different. But an actual expression of profound joy into the world is like, that's great. Yeah, we shouldn't repress that. But there, that we're self-censoring. Takes work. Yeah, takes work. And I think being not being tone deaf, you know, like if we're in a funeral home or if we're like a funeral <laughs> procession is going by, it's probably in someone's like, yeah. how you doing? Mom just died. Oh, I'm great. Great, man. Best day ever. Best day. Podcast is doing great. I mean, I think there is something to be said for being yeah. like uh, for manners, you know, but shit through a podcast, like no self-censorship. Don't do it, man. Like if you're feeling great, you better be saying it. Don't don't like watch out for that one. That kind of shit, like phony unholy. That's bad news. Like Ram Dass talks about phony holy, which is where you know you feel like you have to start acting like you're the Dalai Lama. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. That's bad That's for everybody. The saddest place in the world. It's sad and it's sick what it does to other people. Because now if you're like pr announcing that you've achieved some state where you're fucking happy all the time, but you're not. And then uh, you're lying and then other people are going to hear that and they're going to try to act the way you're acting, which didn't work for you. You feel like shit, but you're a liar. So you're saying you're happy. And now these people are going to start acting the way you're acting. But you they're going to be like, wait, I feel like shit. Well, yeah, you should feel like shit because you're acting the way somebody felt like shit was acting. He's lying about how they feel good. So anyway, very we have to be careful about that. But phony unholy being that you actually feel good. And you're telling people you don't feel good because you're afraid they won't think you're cool. Oh, that's bad too. Yeah. You don't want to do that because now you're bowing down to the vampires. Because that's what vampires like, you know, the two, I love vampire analogies a lot. And whenever I'm around a group of people, I, like if you want to see who the vampire is in the group, just say how good you feel for real. Like see if you can get in the conversation that maybe the world's okay and see who the loudest person is when you say that like see the person who hisses the loudest that's a vampire that person is someone who's like usually holding some sway over their group and keeping them down in some darkling state of cool fashionable misery oh god forbid you get sucked into one of their fucking gravity fields and then you start like because they're so fucking cool you're like yeah things do fucking suck i mean it happens naturally you'll get on the phone with your cynical friend and like five mm. minutes in you're like yeah man Fuck, I was just at the goddamn Trader Joe's. You see that uh, flower display? It's not going to bring her back to life. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'll start yeah. saying real dark, Nietzschean, fucking sinister, cynical, existentialist, nihilistic fucking bullshit. Not because you think it at all. 
but just because you want your fucking cool ass friend to like you because you're fucking some dude when you were six or like made you think that you had to be sad or he beat the shit out of you. All right. I'm so far from being done, but we're going to wrap this one. And I rambled yeah, too much. Maybe I'll man, come back. I win back. I would love for you to come back. I just wanted you to say that. Perfect. Okay. You're Anytime. On, you're on tape. <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't leave that. No, I'd love for you to come back. Awesome. I, yeah, next time you come to the studio, I'll be set up. So can't wait. Yeah, cool. Here's how I like to end the program. Yeah. It's all there's always a variation of it. <clears throat> all right. So right now you get a transmission from the gender neutral force of the universe. Yeah. What do we call it? Gender neutral love transmission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the gender neutral love NLT. transmission. And it says, Duncan, when you leave the house in five minutes, you're gonna Hit your head and forget everything you know yeah. about yourself, about your life, yeah. about living life. But you have this opportunity right now to record a message that you could say, I could say, Duncan, you recorded this really cool message. You want to hear it? It's about living life. Yeah. What would you say? Oh, wow. That's a good question. You can take a couple of takes because we edit. Okay. Okay. You don't have to be right all the time. You're going to want to be right. That doesn't help you. If you, Duncan, listen, your name's Duncan. It's a good name. It's okay to not be right. You don't have to win every argument. Let people win arguments and love them. See what happens. You, it's very easy for you to get in great shape. It's not. <laughs> Just start going to the gym. Watch what happens. <laughs> yeah, don't be selfish. You're cool. And so is everybody else. Just forgive yourself if you do anything dumb over the next few decades as you recover your memory. You don't even have to recover your memory. This sucks. I'm bad. Don't listen to me. <laughs> How about that? Don't listen to your own podcast. <laughs> no, hold on. Let me do another take. That's a hard question. That's like a question you got to email somebody. Maybe you can edit this together, Jamie. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Amnesic Duncan. Your name's Duncan. Don't drink. Book of John. That was your favorite book in the Bible. Your mom was awesome. Love's the most important thing, and you don't have to win every argument. Chant Hare Krishna. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. What a pleasure. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the How to Human podcast is in the books. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And once again, my name is Sam Lamont. This is the How to Human podcast, a production of Hello Humans, which is produced by myself and Meg Schmidt. If you'd like to know more about our guest, Duncan Trussell, or you'd like to know more about us and where you can find us, support us, go to the show notes, which is the description of this episode. And you should be able to find everything you need to help us out. All right, everybody, have a great day and hope to see you sooner than later. 